Serial Sounds. This is Serial Sounds Radio. Thank you guys for tuning in. We took some time off. It was a pandemic-induced sabbatical, if you will. But we're back, and we got a great show. We're chatting with Ogie, who is a director. She just released her directorial debut, and it's called Invisible Portraits. It's a great film. We recommend you watch. And honestly, maybe stop this right now and then go watch the film and then come back to it. (laughs) Um... But yeah, we're going to be chatting with her about the film, getting to know her. And of course, we're going to be playing some jams as well. So please stick around and yeah, let's get to the music.
wanna get to know ya Lavender, incense, aroma Beach, iced tea, Arizona Mariposa, Mariposa I believe in you, my Jehovah Don't let nobody control ya Got a ruby gold bow, I'm on a poster Dressed in a silky kimono Rarely ever see her in a photo She okay with being alone though She been working on a globe First off, I want to say uh, I love the film, uh, and I'm really proud of you for, I mean, and I know proud sounds weird to say sometimes, but just in seeing, like, all you've been doing in the past uh, few years, honestly, like, seeing what you were doing kind of inspired me to want to come to Los Angeles, so um, it's cool to see, like, I wanted to talk about the film. Um, before the film, though, I, I, I did want to know, like, how like how you're kind of managing in these times and like how you've been feeling with um, everything that's happening in this country right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, the times that we're in, that we're in currently, I feel is quite unprecedented in many ways, but also quite familiar in other ways. Right. Like I think the, the killing of black and brown folks is what's familiar. Um, and I think what's unprecedented is the pandemic, which has caused or which has created the foundation that has resulted in people questioning what we've been told to be true. And as a result of that, the uprisings and the protests that you see happening. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, it's, 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 it's emotionally exhausting and draining on so many levels. But then also, too, it's like we have no other choice, right? Like we have to persevere. So I think in the midst of like, all that's happening and that that's occurring, like whether it's like you're constantly on social media trying to be up to date on what's happening or watching the news. Like also for me, it's like, where am I finding those moments of joy, right? Like where am I finding yeah. those moments of restorative care, which is so important. I think one of the most um, fundamental things that's going to come out of, all of, come out of all of this is mental health, like the mental health and the, the effects that it's going to have on so many mental, many people's mental health a year from now, um, even Absolutely. six months from now, I think is what we all need to be paying attention to. Um, and so yeah. for me, it's very much so, you know, being re-educating myself, right? Like on a lot. Cause like, you know, like even when I started making this film, what I noticed is that everything that I have been taught in schools for the most part was revisionist history. And so it's up to us, you know, it's our duty, I feel, to study and learn the lessons of history. And so taking Absolutely. these moments to do just that. 
Um, and in doing so, I feel like it's reigniting this, you know, this, this, this determination of our generation and a younger generation of like, oh, this is not okay. Like this shit is not, this isn't it, you know? And so we're questioning yeah. everything that we've been told to be true. Um, so it's, you know, you know, it's, it's allowing this moment to be a moment of collective reimagining, a moment of like collective unlearning and relearning, but also Absolutely. using this moment to find moments of joy um, and restorative care to continue the fight. We have a long road ahead. Yeah, it's it's a challenge uh, mentally because it's such like a it's such a mental like work uh, movement of just like you have to like decolonize your own mind as you're trying to decolonize your your country and defund police. So it's a lot of mental work to understand all these different concepts and just to learn and make sure that you're taking care of yourself as you're um, trying to fight this fight. But I think it's it's beautiful to see. Um, the progress that's been made in such a short amount of time and the progress that's going to be made. So that's exciting for me. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I kind of want to start um, with just asking you about what, what's your background within the world of film? Like, how did you even get into it in the first place? And um, what led you to want to direct? Yeah, I mean, they both came to me, right? Like, I, I didn't, when I moved out to L.A., I moved out to L.A. because of a job. Um, a retail yeah. job, to be honest with you. And, like, you know, I had been with this retail company for four years in Houston and moved out to L.A. with them. And, like, six months into being with the company in L.A., it just really solidified to me that this company was one that was very homophobic, that was racist, that was sexist. It literally encompassed all the isms. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I couldn't yeah. be the token. I couldn't be the one to try to make this company be different. So I quit. And in the midst of, you know, me doing that, like, I, 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 I experienced a, a deep bout of depression. Um, cause I'm like, at age, at that time, I was like, what, 26? And I'm like, I'm in this new state. I don't know anyone. I'm 26. Like, what did I just do? Like, what the fuck? And, and, you know, in the midst of me experiencing depression, one of my friends was like, come try yoga with me. And I had never heard of yoga. Didn't know what it was. And I was like, what is that? And I go to this class and I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is not for me. Like, not into this shit. Like, this shit hurts. Um, and everyone looks confused in the class. And um, <laughs> a few weeks later, another friend was like, come do yoga. You'll love it. I was like, nah, I tried that. Yoga ain't for me. She's like, this is different. I'm like, nah. She's like, but it is. And so I go and it was a sort of yoga. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, wow. oh, this is it. Like, I can get with this. Like, it was so therapeutic to the mental and emotional and physical state that I was in that my soul craved it. And so I started taking these yoga classes, these restorative yoga classes, like literally five times a week. I became obsessed with it. And then three months into it, I was like, oh, I want to teach this because I realized the power that it had. And I wanted to be able to teach that to like the most marginalized, which is black and brown folks, which is queer folks. Like I wanted to go in and basically like try to heal our community that sense because it was so new to me but I also realized the power it had and in doing so I started teaching out through LA and I was introduced to this one gym and they introduced me to this client named Jed Doherty who at the time I didn't know his last name I just knew, I just knew him as Jed and he became one of my private clients and a few months into the sessions like you know Jed just looked at me and was like have you ever thought about working in film and music and I was like what no and, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, like, this is what they mean by the casting couch, right? Like, this is, like, these older men that, like, try to take advantage of, like, the women who 
are aspiring actresses. And I, and I assume that he must have thought that was me because, you know, at that time, a lot of yoga teachers that I knew were also actresses and they did it as a way of supplement income. And so yeah. I was like, yo, like, not into it. Like, I'm not an actress. Like, nah, I'm good at this. And, you know, a few sessions kept coming and he kept being like, you never really thought about it. And then I realized his intentions were pure. Like, it wasn't him trying to, to, to get me in or something like that. It was more so he saw something in me. And so I was like, okay, like, what is your last name? Like, what do you even do? And so then he started to explain to me. He was like, you know, my name is Jed Doherty. Um, I used to be the CEO and chairman of Sony Music in the UK. And now I own a production company that I founded six months ago with my business partner, Colin Firth. And I didn't know who Colin Firth was because I, I didn't even own a TV <laughs> at the time. And I was yeah. like, who is that? You know, and he was just like, <laughs> oh, like, go watch King's Speech and then let's talk the next time I see you. So I see him a week later and I'm like, oh, like, that was a great film. Like, do can act. Like, but what does it got to do with me? And he was like, you know, me and Colin just started this company. And I don't know, but I follow my intuition all my life. And my intuition is telling me to bring you on like as an understudy or like my assistant and like, let me teach you the things that I know. And, you know, initially I was just kind of like, nah, like I was very comfortable in teaching yoga. My yoga quote unquote career was taken off. Um, but then I was like talking to a few friends and family and they were like, just try it. My mom was like, meditate on it, pray about it, you know? And if you, if you decide to try it, like say you'll try for three months and if you don't like it, you'll quit. And so, you know, I ended up going to London to meet the team. And the thing that solidified it for me was that Colin, when I sat with him, I'm like, why do you want to do this? Like, why? Like, you're a very well-known actor. Like, what is it? And he was just like, you know, him and Jay was like, you know, Colin was like, as an actor, I can only play a white male. Like, that's the all I could ever do. I can't play any other role. But there's just so many more other stories that I want to tell that I can only do that through the lens of a producer. And so that is what solidified it for me, because he wanted to tell yeah. stories that dealt with social justice, stories that dealt with the most marginalized. And that is what made me be like, OK, I can do this, because had it been just like a normal production company um, doing commercial films, I would have been like, that ain't me. Like, that's not that's not my calling. And so, yeah. you know, I moved to London um, two months into being in London. I had to move to South Africa because we got our first film Greenlight, Greenlit. Um, and, you know, I worked with Rain Dog for about three and a half years. And that's how I got into the filmmaking industry. Um, and then when I left Rain Dog, um, after being with them for three and a half years, I moved back to L.A. Um, I went through another bout of depression. My, my most, the turning point in my life tends to happen in uh, concert with depression. Yeah. Um, I mean, you come out of it stronger usually. So yeah. I think that, that right. Because I was just like, yeah. I make the right moves. Like, what, is, what am I doing? Like, why did I quit? Like, what's next for me? And in the midst of me having this experience of these low vibrational energies, like uh, a woman that I met a month prior to or a few months prior to at a, at a charity event reached out to me and was like, I know I just met you, but I'm at lunch with a friend. He has an idea. And I thought about you. Can you meet him before he flies to New York? And initially, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know. But then, like, something just said, say yes. So I say yes, and I go to this meeting, and my now um, executive producer, Michael Meyer, middle-aged white guy, I go into the meeting, and he's like, I want to create something that celebrates black mothers. And I'm like, why? Like, no, no disrespect, but, like, as a middle-aged white man, like, why do you want to create something like that? And, you know, yeah. he goes, you know, I've seen this YouTube clip of Isaiah Thomas being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and... He's crying, his mother's crying, but he's also just talking about and sharing all the sacrifices she made for him to be where he's at today. And so I just want to make something that celebrates black mothers. 
and even still, I'm not thinking he wants me to direct it. I think I'm thinking he wants me to produce it because he know he's known me as a producer. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, let me just be very clear. I think that they're black women before they're black mothers. So if, if I am to create anything, it's me creating something that celebrates black women and black girls. And so yeah. Michael was like, all right. Well, if you pitch me an idea and I like it, I'll fully fund it. And I was like, wait, what? Like I'm still thinking, <laughs> like, oh, you want me to produce this? And he was like, no. Like this is your vision. I want you to go and direct it, and I'll fully fund it. And so that's, that's how amazing. I got into directing. That's amazing. <laughs> I love stories like that because it's just like you weren't looking for it, but it just found you. And I feel like that's how you know it's like it's yours. Yours, 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 yours.
kind of jumping into a project having never directed before or did you kind of use what you had learned through being a producer and um, you were kind of able to um, navigate it? Well, it was a little bit of both, right? Like I understood the industry because I had been in it for about three and a half years. So I understood it enough of what a person could know. But like directing, I knew nothing about really. Like I had observed directors. Like I, I observed Gavin Hood on I Am The Sky. I observed Jeff Nichols on when we made loving. Like I had observed directors before, but I went into this not knowing what a director was. Like I literally had to teach myself. Like I read books, um, I watched YouTube clips. Like I, I looked at our I, I researched interviews of directors. Like I had to teach myself the other skills, the other soft and hard skills that I needed to be order in order to take on this role. But then also yeah. too, like it was such a huge subject matter that like I had the weight of that on me as well too. But I'm like I don't want to mess yeah. this up. Like, this is such a huge subject matter that's also so important um, that, quite frankly, hadn't been done in the way that I wanted to do it. And so I had the weight of that, but then also the weight of, like, being a novice in this role um, that had a very much direct, um, uh, you know, a very direct action to what I was trying to create. So it was challenging in a lot of ways, but it also 
birthed me into, you know, the director that I am now, the storyteller that I am now. Like, I, I consider myself yeah. to be a storyteller, um, first and foremost. And so the medium for that changes. At one point, the medium for that was yoga, restorative yoga, teaching people how to heal through breath work and meditation um, and the body. Um, and now my medium is through directing and producing, and that very well may change um, because I tend to just follow my curiosity. Um, I don't limit myself to just one particular role um, because I, you know, out of everything that I do, I reiterate that I'm a storyteller, and the medium for yeah. that changes all the time. You you called this film like a you called it like a, a love letter to black women. And I think for me, it seems like uh, the the love letter was in the giving space for truth to be told. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, because like I said, like when I did the research phase of this, which is about eight months, um, six days a week, 14-hour days, it was a re-education for me as well. And because half of what I, I now know, I didn't know going into this because I was never taught it. Um, and so yeah. for me, I was like, oh, like if I had never been taught this, imagine how many other black women, black girls had never been taught this. And even outside of that, just imagine how much society doesn't know about yeah, our experience people. in America. Yeah. And so for me, I felt it's a duty to be able to tell these stories, to be able to create a space to hold reverence for the experience of black women and the contributions that black women made. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I feel like um, just the 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 nuance and like the details um i think that's that it was really important for for those to be heard and seen the way the movie moved to me was almost like it felt like you were sitting in a, a round table discussion for the black women who were just speaking like their most honest experiences in like the most raw way how much of that was intentional like you wanted that energy or was it really just kind of like let me just ask these questions and see how they respond First of all, I love the way that you describe that. I've never heard anyone say that. So that's really dope. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, everything about this was very intentional, right? From the way that I researched it to the people that I chose to be a part of it, um, to yeah. the way that we shot it, all of it was very much so intentional. Um, and so for me, um, I said intentions at the very beginning of the very phase. I said intentions at the beginning of my pre-production phase, production, and post. Um, and so when it, when it comes to, um, when it came to how I went about filming it, it was very intentional. Um, the questions that I asked these women were very well researched and thought out questions. Um, I spent weeks on cultivating the questions I wanted to ask based off the research that I have done. So it was very, very much so intentional. Like, was there a specific moment or specific moments that like taught you something about the craft of filmmaking or just about, you know, black women or yourself? Like, was there any, like, lessons you learned uh, in this process? Oh, yeah, there were so many. Um, I mean, when it, when it came to the craft of filmmaking, the most important lesson I learned is that it literally is a collective effort. Um, that community is so, so very much so important when it comes to creating anything. Like, no one does anything alone. Um, there was no way I could have made this without my gaffer. There was no way I could have made this without... Um, my grip. There's no way that this could have come into fruition without my DP um, or my sound design. Like it, it, it very much so is a collective and community effort. Um, and it just, it basically just hit home for me even much so. Like, you know, like we tend to be conditioned to think it's all about the individual. Um, and we, yeah. we very much so live in a very individualistic society. 
Um, and that's Absolutely. why it's faltering because nothing is done by itself. Like it is literally a collective effort. Um, and in making this, it really hit home for me. Like even though I had produced other films, like being at the helm of this and being a director and having to put together the crew and be intentional about that um, and just hold space for everyone to be able to feel like they're being heard and seen um, just really hit home for me that like, oh, wow, like it is really, really about the collective effort. Um, so that was really one important lesson that I walked away with and will carry with me for the rest of my life. Um, another was just like learning the stories of black women experience. Like I, like making this documentary really hit home for me the importance of knowing our history um, and knowing, you know, what that history is. Because once again, like we're not, we're not really taught that, you know, and like there's no way that you could really move forward. There's no way that you could really um, utilize the solutions that are necessary to create the change that is necessary without knowing the past, without knowing the history knowing the tools and resources that the people before us utilize. And so in making this documentary, it made that very, very clear to me. Um, knowing the history of Dr. the person that we seem to be the father of gynecology, knowing like how he got that title or how he quote-unquote got to claim the fame off of the exploitation and abuse of black women's bodies. And, you know, learning about that, learning about everything from like the whole notion of amazing grace. Like, it was just so much that I learned that, you know, literally has rearranged me in the most empowering and beautiful ways. Um, but it was just so much of that, right? Like, that we're not taught. And, like, when you think about the amazing grace aspect, how many black folks are singing that in churches? Like, and I mean singing with every, every, every soul of their being and not yeah. knowing the history of it. And so that's what that, this, this documentary taught me. It's so important for us to know the history of things to investigate the truth and not just go with what we've been conditioned to believe to be true, but Absolutely. question it. Question everything yeah. that you've been told to be true. Um, and so, you know, it's like I said, like this whole experience has felt like a rebirth for me. And and you you start you started the process of making this film, what, was it three years ago, correct? Yeah, three years ago. And, and when did you actually finish the film? Well, it was um, it was picture lock, which is which is when it's done. It was picture lock in June of last year, um, and gotcha. then we released it um, on Juneteenth. And currently, in the process of uh, locking in a distribution deal for a wider release later this year or beginning of first quarter next year. Oh, that's incredible! That's incredible. And and you you had submitted to some film festivals, correct? I did, but they all turned me down. And, <laughs> yeah, and I I was curious about like what like in in hindsight are you are you almost glad that it happened that Sundance didn't take it so you could tell the story on your own terms and especially with the timing of it oh, no, I mean I don't I don't I don't regret anything I think in the moment yeah. when you get those rejections it's like a gut punch like right like I, I would be remiss to not say like how I cried when I first got those two rejections from two from the two film festivals so I was just like well, like, maybe it's not as great as I thought it was. Like, maybe, like, you know, like, I, I wasted my time making this, you know. But, you know, I also had to get to a space where I gave myself permission to feel those feelings because those feelings were very much so valid. But then I also got to a space where I was like, oh, like, then it's my duty to show them why this film was important. So I, then I didn't it's, allow yeah. it to become a, a phase where it was no longer just about the rejection, but like a redirection. Like, how do I use this rejection? as a form of, like, redirection of how I then put this out into the world, right? So, like, 
it was very much so like, oh, like if you don't know why this film is important, if you don't know why or how to market this film, then let me show you, right? Like, and not just taking what you say as truth value or as face value. Like, I'm going to show you why this film is important. I'm going to show you yeah. why it's important to invest into black filmmakers and to tell black stories. And so, you know, I, I did just that. Like, I, I allowed those moments to empower me to do it differently. As we see more things like that happening, I think that's a part of what really changes things is like um, just kind of taking it upon yourself to say, you know what, let me show you that this actually does work. And instead of waiting for you to like give me the green light, let me just show you like that this is a valuable film. Yeah, because, you know, what what you realize is like we literally live in social constructs. Like that's all this is. These are all rules that someone else came up with. These are yeah. all laws that someone came up with. Like, in, for me, it's like when you really understand that, like, we live in a society that is ruled by social constructs, which is mean by it's ruled by someone's imagination, then you understand anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. So we can reimagine the way things should be. Like, we don't have to just go by with what has been done or what's in place right now, because everything that's in place right now started in someone's imagination, right? Like, we're able to talk on the phone right now Absolutely. because someone imagined cell phones. Like, we're able yeah. to be on Instagram because someone imagined Instagram coming into fruition. Like, we, we literally live in social constructs. So when I really understood that, I was like, oh, like, oh, well, anything is possible. Like, literally anything. So it's really just up to me to tap into my mental capacity and reimagine things differently, you know? And I, I think yeah. that's, the, that's the lesson is that for people to realize that our most powerful currencies are mental space. Like, that is our most, our most powerful currency. It's not the money. It's not the popularity. It's not any of this, this materialistic things. Like, it literally is our mental state.
problem, man. Let me borrow it. Yo, can I borrow that? Yo, that shit was fire, yo. Let me hold that. No, my brother. Serial sounds. see yourself doing more directorial work um is that something that you want to continue to do uh now that you've done this oh yeah it's definitely part of the storytelling but it's not all that i'm gonna do like i i definitely want to explore more different avenues of storytelling like i want to explore like dabbling into fashion like i want to explore um visual performances like there's so many different avenues that i want yeah. to continue to explore but definitely directing is one of them um i want to eventually explore acting like there's just so many different avenues right like once again, like, I don't limit myself to just one thing. Like, it's interesting because I was doing an interview with a, um, not an interview, really, it's a call with a studio executive. And she said, like, oh, this is your calling call into the industry as a director. Like, are you excited? And I was like, well, this isn't just my calling card as a director. This is my calling card as a storyteller. Because, like, I'm not limiting myself to just directing. There's so many other things that I want to try and do um, that I plan on doing which includes acting, which includes directing, um, which includes producing, you know, which includes, um, you know, hosting podcasts. Like, there's just so many other avenues of storytelling that I plan to explore. 
Um, but definitely directing is one of them. And I do want to continue to explore that avenue as well. Yeah. And and do you feel like the um, how this was received kind of steered you into the direction of like, OK, cool, I, I got it. I should continue to do this. This is working. Yeah, but I also feel like the film hasn't even touched one eighth of society yet, right? Like, there's so many people, yeah, who still haven't seen it because it's only been on Vimeo. Like, the moment that we release it on a bigger platform, which is going to happen in the next few months, then I can answer that question. Because right now, like, I only feel like literally 24th of society has seen this because it's on Vimeo and I didn't go the conventional route. Um, but when I do start to expand it on different platforms and in partnership with a distribution company, um, our studio, then, you know, like I think definitely more doors are open. But a lot of people still don't know about this film yet. So you, you've been around Hollywood for, for some years now. Um, do, do you feel like the relationship between um, Hollywood and black women is, is changing for the better? And, and do you see that like having immediate effects going forward? I do, I, I do see subtle changes, but it's not the change that, like, I think that everyone wants to see. Um, I think there's a difference between change and performance and allyship. There's a huge difference between yeah. that. Um, and so, for me, the change happens more on a systematic level, right? Like, you can, you can continue to create as many diversity committees as you want to. Um, it doesn't create systematic change, right? Because when you go into the rooms of the people who actually make the decisions on what we get to see, what is produced, what is created, those rooms don't reflect the bigger society. Those rooms don't reflect marginalized folks. It doesn't reflect black and brown and queer folks. And so I think in order to see the systematic change that we're all hoping to see, it has to start there. And it hasn't started there yet. You know, like, yeah. by, by getting, like, two or three black folks, you know, leading roles, and a few nominations doesn't create the change that we're all hoping to see. Like, that comes from a systematic level. And I think the way that that happens is by hiring and employing um, marginalized folks at the highest level, um, True. making True. those rooms as inclusive as possible. I think that's where the change happens. So, like, you mm. know, what we're seeing now, I think, is like, you know, it's like giving, it's like me giving my dog crumbs. You know, like, it, 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 ain't, it ain't doing much for me, but to my dog, like, it's the best thing in the world. But, it's, 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 you know, but I know I know for me, like, that's what I left over. That ain't, that ain't nothing, you know? Yeah, so, and, and the, dog is, the dog is hungry, so it's just like, well, appreciate the leftovers. Exactly. Uh, but, it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't see that leftovers. It's like, oh, my God, appreciate this abundance that you're giving me. And it's like, yeah. it's not even abundance, bro. Like, it's literally my leftovers. So I think, you know, yeah. in order for us to get past that stage and actually start to, to see equity it requires the most marginalized folks being employed in the positions that decision making is happening. I think we have a long way to go when it comes to that. Yeah, it's a it's a start, but it's so yeah, it's there's so much work uh to be done. Um but I I I think it's I do think that I'm seeing a lot more stories told that are specific. Like even in seeing um this I don't know if you've seen the show yet, but this is a show called uh I May Destroy You. And yeah. Um Yeah. And and a show like that is so important because it tells a story in a very nuanced way. Like it's not just it's not from a male gaze. It's not like it's written and directed by the the very person who who experienced the story and wrote about it. And yeah. she gets to tell it in the most honest way possible. And I think even like in this film that you are a black woman telling a story of black women is so important. 
and that you produced it as well as directed it. So it's just like on each level, the the nuance is, is understood and embraced. Uh, to close it out, I, I wanted to know, do you feel like with the goal that you had in mind for this film that it was achieved? Um, it's hard to say because I'm still in the process of that goal, right? Like, the goal that I had in mind was for this to be seen by as many people as possible. The goal that I had in mind was to get it into schools and universities and create curriculum around it. The goal that I had in mind was to expand the conversation about it by creating a docu-series or a podcast around it. And so because yeah. I'm still in the process of cultivating these visions and intentions, um, it's hard for me to really answer that question, but I feel, I feel like I'm still in the process of it. Like, it's kind of like a grassroots of how we're releasing this film in so many different ways. Um, and so yeah. I, I feel like I'm starting to experience some of the, the um, intention set, um, but I still have so much more to cultivate um, and bring it to fruition. Yeah. And and I and I feel that and I and I guess in a way the the achievement was that you created a seed that could potentially grow into something very beautiful um, and ongoing. Exactly. Which, yeah. Which I'm I I hope that that's the case with this because I think it's it's important to tell these stories and um, now more than ever these stories have to be told over and over and over again because there's so much that we don't know that we still need to learn about. Um, the stories of black women and, and, and what they experience in this country. Yeah. And, and thank you for allowing us to learn. I feel like we, uh, I feel like we had a good chat. Um, I did too. You're the best free. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. I yeah. feel so cool now. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I feel cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thanks for doing this and, um, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Uh, I know this, pandemic stuff is crazy but uh yeah we, we we gotta pop some champagne for this uh for this win oh absolutely absolutely yeah. thank you Serial thank you once again to oe for chatting with us and please go see invisible portraits today if you have not seen it it's a very important and very necessary film we're gonna close this out with a few more songs thank you guys for tuning in and we hope you're staying healthy and happy it's a really, really crazy-ass time, and it seems like it's only getting crazier, but um, just continue to find your happy place and stay there as long as you can. Also, we want to pay our respects to our, to our bro Spicoli. Rest in peace. You will be missed, and you will not be forgotten. Y'all take care. Peace. You should have been downtown. The people are rising. We thought it was a lockdown. They opened the fire. Them bullets was flying. Who said it was a lockdown? Goddamn uh, lie. Look. It's a war going on outside, I swear to God I'm on the front line, no front, no cap, no front size Sunshine, cinnamon skin, people blend in together and ride Side by side, organized, we bust guns at the same time Harmonize, form a line, pick a lead, take a leap, lead with love, please You sound like Dr. King, people tired of taking beatings from beasts covered in sheets I love niggas, but we too forgiving for how they treating us Reparation, bit, we trying to get even Just run the paper, maybe then we can start the conversation Coming ground, prison compounds full of my fucking people, how you still sleeping? 
Have you had your coffee this evening, Karen? Cause you seem a little off. All the black girls missing it, ending up inside the coffins. But you mad when they hashtag Black Lives Matters on front your sidewalk. Diabolical thoughts, diatribe from dialogues, damaging images of men and women who died off fighting for civil rights. A simple necessity given when you're giving life. But we've been tripping. Right. You should have been downtown. The people are rising. We thought it was a lockdown. They opened the fire. Them bullets was flying. Who said it was a lockdown? Goddamn lies. in downtown where I got popped with the rubber bullet train. Maybe this round two. Government cinematic American drive through, eat the apple pie in the morning and bury the strange fruit, then marry the strange fruit and call it the black love. So when he bleeds, I bleed the sacred riddle. Ain't no money I can make to make the cops get little. We seen a murder, the indigenous, a passage middle, the constitution, a life for a bag of Skittles. So when we bleed, I load the sacred pistol. And if you need, I'll read a saddle with you. And if you rich, I pray that God forgive you. Supposed to share the garden, grow the holy in you. Maybe everything is a metaphor. One God, an African liberation is ready to take arms. They're telling you stay calm and double barrel the shoddy and stand on a graveyard and tell you to slave on. Serial. 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 Serial